This is To The Point. A rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, or should I say Ho Ho Home Services Podcast. <laughs> Christmas is near. This is my favorite time of year because jolly old St. Nick is just a few days away from putting some presents under the tree. Uh, maybe it isn't Christmas that you're celebrating. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's... Put on your yarmulke. Here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Yes, maybe it's Hanukkah that you're celebrating or Kwanzaa or whatever it is that you're celebrating. I hope you're having a happy holidays. Man, talking about gifts, one of the best gifts that I get every year is putting out this podcast, which is our best of podcast. So this is the best of 2022. We've had a lot of really, really great Yes, and I'm excited to share some of my favorite clips from this year. It's always cool to go back and reminisce through some of these and just be uh, grateful for all the guests that have come on and and just all the success that this podcast has. And so I just want to say, first, thank you, listeners, for continuing to come back and listen to me and my banter over and over again. I'm incredibly grateful. So let's go ahead and kick the sucker off with uh, To The Point VIP, since he's been on here so many times. I can think of none other other way to start this thing off with a quote from my man, Ken Goodrich, from episode number 114. And uh, we were live at AHR Expo um, doing this podcast. So this is about some of the potholes that you can avoid and that he's able to share from his years of being in business. And guess what? It wasn't all sunshine and roses for KG. So enjoy this clip. Okay, so on this journey, um, it's not all been sunshine and roses. So you've hit a few hurdles along the way that you've had to deal with, obstacles you've had to overcome um, on this growth plan, and you've probably hit them time and time again at different levels of the business. So uh, why don't you let our listeners know, from all this Ken Goodrich knowledge that you've got, on maybe what to look out for, like maybe what not to do, whether, you know, because as you know from our listener base, uh, they are of all shapes and sizes. So what are some, like, you you know, don't do this or things to make sure that they're aware of or to look out for? Well, I, I actually think you might've got some misinformation for me. I, <laughs> I, I was raised by with a silver spoon and my yeah. dad had me into this great business and you know, everything's been easy. <laughs> so actually, yeah. And I have never done anything wrong. No, of course not. You're like an angel. That's what everybody's like. Oh, Ken Goodrich is such an angel. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, I think, my wife asked me this morning, she said, why do you do these podcasts? What do you, why do you tell everybody in the industry, you know, what, what to do and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, first of all, I'm not telling them everything what to do, but I just think, I just feel like the struggle of st- starting from bare bottoms in a service truck and the journey uh, that you have to take to have a real going concern in the business was so difficult and took so much and I've just watched my industry fellows struggle with it so hard I just feel like it's my duty to say hey I'm a little further down the road there's a pothole over here don't step to this don't go off that cliff watch for the coyotes over here you know I just feel like it's my duty so that's why I do this so and I'm aware yep okay so this is the new and improved far slimmer 
Ken Goodrich. <laughs> with not, the, with the not, beard. I'm with not, the beard. I'm not as angry. <laughs> That's All right, so. I would say, pa- uh, well, no, passionate would be a, maybe aggressive. Let's don't say angry. Aggressive. Uh, aggressive. Whatever you want to call it. Okay, so, so. now here you are to help. So let me tell you what. Let me tell you what I wish I would have done. What I wish I would have done first, before I, before I went and, and got my truck and hung up my shingle and started business, I wish I would have taken some time. I would, wish I would have got a job with a bigger company so I could see kind of the routines and what goes on. And I wish I would have got some leadership and management training first until I felt competent in understanding the role of a leader and the role of a manager and how to do that. Not that you have to be the best one, but you have to recognize what a good one is because you are in the people business, the skilled management, skilled labor business, and you know how, you have to know how to do that. The work of the trade is not the business. It's the leadership and the organization of, syst- of processes and, and your skilled labor, your people, and, and your seven centers of management tension that creates a business or overall business system, right? So you got to learn how to manage people first. And, you know, that's been a real struggle. There's, I've had a lot of people in the beginning of, of my career come through my doors that I didn't hang on to because I didn't know how. You know, I didn't know how to manage them. So I think it's very important that somebody gets that knowledge immediately before they start. Got to love my man, Ken Goodrich. Sometimes I always wonder if he's telling a joke or not telling a joke because his delivery is a little flat. But I can always tell from his dry sense of humor when he's telling a good joke. But, man, he knows how to get it done. And if there's anybody who knows how to help you move through that business and avoid potholes, that's Ken. Now, this next clip was extremely special to me. We got to have Howard Bihar, the former president of Starbucks, on the podcast. What a real treat. Excited that he's coming to Rhino X and speaking as well because this man talks about servant leadership, which is incredibly important, but also how Starbucks used culture to scale that company and somehow he mixed a banana into his culture story i'll let you give this clip a listen to figure it out for yourself the majority of our listeners are in the home services industry whether they're you know hvac companies or technicians um you know plumbing electrical roofing contractors garage door technicians owners private equity players in that space kind of all these things but every single person listening to this podcast can be impacted by what you have to share because it impacts every business positively or negatively sure so i'm anxious to get into this little thing called culture and if culture doesn't matter to you it you better change the thought process on it because if your hope is to scale your business it's going to be incredibly important to have that on point and i believe howard was one of the best to do it across this little bitty company called starbucks which i'm excited to get into your story so if you would howard um give the listeners just a quick overview of your career because you actually started in like the furniture world um uh, yeah, actually i started my dad had a small mom and pop grocery store and, and i then, was he was 50 when i was born so I, you know, he retired by the time I was about 12 or 13, but I got to watch him run his little business, you know, have charge accounts, do advertising, hire people, fire people, serve those human beings we call customers. So I grew up in retail. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, because the banana story I remember now. Yeah. But yeah, that's right. The banana story. (laughs) So by the time, you know, I got to Starbucks, I was 
you know, I turned right instead of turning left. I was, you know, I like to say I was lucky, but I always believe luck is where opportunity meets preparation. Love it. And I certainly prepared prepared for it. I understood multi-unit retail and and I attached immediately to Starbucks. It was I realized early on that it wasn't about coffee, it was about people. And that, you know, uh, you, you build a great culture, you build a great, help people grow as human beings first, and then as professionals, and then they grow the business. You know, it's pretty much that simple. It's that old equation, grow the people, the people grow the organization, the organization grows the business. And that's what happened at Starbucks, because we focused, we focused on the people, because the people, after all, they, they roast the coffee, they brew the coffee, they do everything. Coffee doesn't do anything on its own. Yeah. And, and, and Starbucks didn't even start out as retail, right? It was like a, it was for the coffee beans. Is that right? Yeah. We didn't start as a beverage. No, in the beverage business. We, we were in re, mostly retail. We sold beans. We sold spices. We sold tea. We sold the brewing equipment. Never sold a cup of coffee till 1987. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, and that's actually an important piece I want to hit on as we get into it, um, kind of how that how that transition happened and how some of the things were added um, to like Starbucks to the Starbucks offering. Um, but before I get into it, too, culture, you know, being the the topic of this particular episode is incredibly important to you know a successful business. And um, I think you learned some like you learned uh, I brought up the banana story a minute ago. Um, I want you to share the banana story because I think that there's so much impact in that, um, in that lesson. And you were young too. I think when yeah, that happened, I was about nine years old, my dad, like I said, had this small, small mom and pop grocery store. And one day I was up at the counter while he was ringing up a customer. This is on, this is the old days when a cash register had a hand crank and ten, 10 buttons across the top, 10 buttons down, you know, and you punch the buttons in, pull the handle. Right. And a little tape would come out and he had charge accounts at the time, you know, and he'd take that slip, put it in the book with a customer's name on it. At the end of the month, he'd bill him. So anyway, I was standing up there. My dad was ringing up the customer and he asked me, he said, Howard, go get me some bananas, will you please? And so I went in the back and I brought him back. I don't remember how many, six or eight bananas. And he took the bananas and he put them in the, in the customer's bag and the customer walked out the door. Well, I was old enough to realize that he hadn't run those bananas up because I hadn't heard the bing, you know? And so I said, dad, you forgot to ring the bananas up. And he just looked at me. He said, you know, Howard, not everything we do in life do we need to get paid for. I happen to know that these people love fresh fruit and they're having tough times right now and they can't afford the fresh fruit. So, you know, they're not just our customers, they're our friends and our neighbors. And it's just my way of helping them out a little bit. Now at the time, you know, nine years old, you know, I, I didn't really think about it that much, but it, it struck me and it stayed with me. And, and, you know, I remembered that story as I got older and I started to work. Not everything you need, you do in life, you need to get paid for. And he was so right. And I, I took that with me because when you're of service to other human beings, you don't need to be paid for everything you do. And so it served me well throughout my own career. As a matter of fact, before I came to Starbucks, I, I, Howard Schultz, who was in the, it was CEO, and we went through a dance for about a year and I didn't really want to join Starbucks. I was looking for my own business. Anyway, we finally met up again. And I said to Howard, I said, before you extend an invitation for me to join Starbucks or I agree to join, can I work in the company for a week? I said, I want to, I'll do it for free. I said, you know, I'll tell you, this is what I want to do. I want to work on the stores for a few days. I want to work in the trucks for a few days. And I want to work in the roasting plant for a few days. 
And so I did that. And fortunately, after that week was over, I, I was committed and he extended an invitation for me to join. But, you know, it, I never felt that it was for free. I, I was getting something for, from it, right? I was learning about Starbucks. So I was getting an, an education. He didn't have to pay me, but on the other hand, you know, I, I got to do it. Yeah, you got to date a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I've kept that with me my whole life, This that idea that, you know, we get caught up in, in thinking that we got to be paid for everything we do. And I don't mean just economic pay. I mean, emotional pay. I mean, whatever exactly. the pay is, you think you got to be rewarded. You got to be recognized, right? Yep. And you do things because you want to do them, no matter what happens. Whether you get money in your pocket or somebody says, out a boy or out a girl, you don't, you don't do it for those reasons. Yeah. So. And, and so uh, thanks for sharing that story. Um, I, I mean, it stuck with me. And I heard it and, and I kind of imagine, you know, my son who's um, 10, you know, and kind of how inquisitive he is too. And I can see how that he might, you know, like that, that might stick. Um, But here's what I think is, is so impactful about that is when we have a business, we do need to make money. You're not saying don't make money. It's just, it's not all about that. It is a relationship is as important. Like you're creating a a relationship and an experience. And so I'll bet you, I'll bet you that that customer, what's your, what was, what's your father's name, Howard? Albert. So I bet you, um, Albert had them as a customer for years. Forever. Of course. Plus customers forever because they were his friends and his neighbors. They weren't his customers. They were human beings that he was serving. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's how it works. You know, I don't care what business you're in or I don't care what you do, whether you're a teacher or you're in a business. Right. It's always about serving human beings and the great plumbers, the great electricians. Right. And the great roofers are the ones that know that they're there to serve other people. And they do, they do a fantastic job of it. And then those people tell somebody else, tell somebody else, tell somebody else before, you know, you got more business you can handle. But if you approach it only for making money, that never happens. Yeah. Right. Can't, can't be just yeah. transactional. Like I just said, it just can't be transactional. It's gotta be more culture matters that much, man. It was cool to have Howard Bihar on here. I love that guy. So this next clip was from episode one twelve with my buddy out of Indy, John Dye from the American contractor show. And we were just talking about why is the average business owner not evolving? And this kind of falls in line with my 95.5 rule. For any of those who have heard me give a keynote on this, and I'll sum it up with this. 95% of, of you, even listening, will listen to the podcast with the right intentions, take notes, get ideas, and then go back to doing your normal job and execute on none of them. So those five percenters who actually execute, and if it fails, try again and again, are typically the ones who become the most successful in business. Now, I didn't say the largest. I just said the most successful Right, you got to be a five percenter to move your business forward. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. 
John, why do you feelings. see that? Is it just like we talked about before? This is just the way that we've done it, it's and people are not it. evolving. The average business owner is not the apples of the world. <laughs> That's a big part of it. I feel like it's it's lack of education. Yeah. It's lack of desire to want to upsell. It's frankly, it's also I don't think they're making enough money. So, quick follow up on, on their it. stuff. Interesting. And I think the, the I think the owners aren't making enough money. I think the sales reps are taking. Because of the way that they, they structure it, and because they're not doing it retail, they're doing it for insurance proceeds, the insurance companies are squeezing the crap out of the industry. So at the end of the day, if, an, if, an, if a business owner feels tight on cash, they shouldn't, but they do. Because they're not, they don't know how to sell. They don't know their numbers. They don't really know all this information. They're just basically cash flowing this business instead of actually having good numbers. Got Very it. few of these companies, at the end of the day, they, they may have large revenue numbers, but they really don't have, like, they don't know their profit margins yeah. really are. So they rob from Peter to pay Paul? Bingo. Do Damn. You, do you feel like because now we're in the information age that business owners will start to change because information is so prevalent? You know, you talked about the system that she put in place. It's working now. You've got podcasts. You've got mastermind groups. Do you feel like the industry will start to turn because information is so readily available? I feel like part of the industry will start to turn. Yeah. And there's definitely, there's a part of it that's really hungry for this. They're ready to go. And those will be the most successful. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's another side of the industry that will probably never embrace it. And that part of the industry always goes out of business. You know, what's interesting is we kind of have to have that. Yeah, you have to have that. You got to have that balance. And so it, it's unfortunate and it's sad, but it's what it is. It's the reality. That side of the industry is probably never going to evolve and become the side of the industry. They're never going to learn that. Did you hear me talk about my 95-5 rule at all? Was that during, when did you say that? My keynote. It was a keynote. During the keynote. Okay, did I think you, I was in the back with Hunter. We okay. were, well, we were so hanging out. I talk about this 95-5 rule, which is kind of along those lines, and it's, it's been accurate at least the 15 years I've done these. I've literally done hundreds of keynotes and breakouts and all this shit and been in the industry this long. It's, it's still the same thing. This 95-5 rule is a theory that no matter how I walk out there or any of these speakers come out there or you, they meet with you and you, they, you give them facts on how to move the business forward and like even tactical takeaways, a box they can check that's easy. You just got to go and implement it. Even if it fails, you just got to go implement it. Most still won't do anything with it. Yeah. 95% 100%. of the people will do yeah. nothing with what you gave them. Their ambition is there, but the action doesn't match. Mm-hmm. But it's the 5% that do are the ones that become the most successful. And I didn't say the biggest. I just said the most successful companies. And that's measured so differently. 100%. No, what gets measured gets managed. So yep. I'm, I'm on board with that. And I think that, but in some odd way, in order for the five percenters to continue to be successful, we still need that 95% to not do shit, which is kind of weird. I want everybody to do it. It's just that I know over the time, it's just not the way it works out. I wish I, that number would start to go from 95 to 90 to 85 and then everybody could do it, but it's just, it's not happening, man. I've been trying to do what you're doing right now for 15 years in my own world. Like really trying to be like, please listen to me. I've now got 15 years worth of working with some of the biggest badass home services contractors that do exactly what I'm telling you to do. And even if you take one or two of these things and implement them, that's so ridiculously easy. It's going to grow your business and make you more profitable without spending another dime. Well, and people still don't do it. But I just know this year is going to look a little bit different because all of you listening are going to be five percenters, right? Say that loud. Say, I'm a five percenter. Because the five percenters are the ones that have become so successful. So please make 2023 about you being a five percenter. Be okay with thinking outside the box. Be okay with giving your business a personality. Be okay with trying things differently. Brand is going to be so important. If you don't have any brand equity, then try other things. Try new things. Be aggressive. 
And this is a clip from a guy who has done all of those things. His name's Wyatt Hepworth. This is from episode 104. And Wyatt Hepworth is the CEO of Any Hour up in Salt Lake City, which is now multiplied into multiple brands in the Any Hour Services family um, across the Southwest. Incredible success. Started this business, went from like under 2 million to over 75 million in 10 years. Back when we were talking on this episode of 104, he's significantly larger than that now. But I love his heart for the trades. I love his heart for serving those. He values people. He loves people. And he loves to surround himself with good people. So enjoy this clip from my man, my friend, one of the best, most humble home service business owners in the game, Wyatt Hepworth. What are some of the, um, you know, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way? And is there, so, is there any one or something that you're like, that you could attribute this, the success to, or maybe like the biggest success to, or some, it could be multiple things, but what would that look like? What is that? Like, what, I mean, you hit a stride and then you probably realized something and then you hit it. And then now you really get it. And like the wheels are turning. I mean, you hit, well, at one point it was new construction is gone and you were focused now on the service side of things too. But what is that? Like, what are, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned along the way that our listeners could, could, uh, could take away? Wow. Um, biggest thing I think I've learned over the last 10 years is that I don't have the best plan or the best idea. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm in the way that doesn't mean I'm not valued. And I hear so many business owners, they grow to a point and they say, Oh, I just have to get out of my employee's way. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I, I believe, I believe, uh, I believe in getting out of their way, but I also believe in working hard with them and saying exactly what I think and being clear with perspectives and, and input. So I give brutal, brutal feedback. Um, but I love the person I'm talking with and I understand the, the way to give that feedback is not in a group where it belittles them. So I've surrounded myself with, with very powerful leaders, uh, very awesome leaders. Um, I'm really good at not taking the credit. I'm good at giving them the credit for their hard work and for the good things they do because they do great things. Um, and, then, and then, but we're talking one-on-one. Um, I'm building them up to others and supporting them and giving them the funds, the, you know, the, the, the tools and anything they need to succeed. But then I, I get out of their way. So I'm kind of like the gutter rail things you put in a bowling alley, you know, um, for kids. I'm kind of there. And Paul. And Paul. <laughs> and, and me. I'm kind of on the side. I'm on the side. I'm working with them. But they're definitely bowling strikes. And and we're talking about how to, how to improve. And I'm open to their feedback. So I'm very open to feedback. I'm, I'm really open to improving on a daily basis. And again, I surround myself with really great friends, Jeremy, Mike, Lincoln, Brett. I can go on and on and name Matt Hansen. You know, there's just so many people that work in my business. Troy, I, I mean, I think, uh, I think I sent over saying, hey, you really ought to interview a few other people in, in our business because there's just, there's a, there's a lot of stories and what you'll find is I'm not the most dynamic person in my business. Uh, these guys are very dynamic and they have their own skill sets and, but they, they value me and I value them. So, um, so what's the biggest thing that I, that I think I've learned is valuing people, loving people, but being honest with them and letting them know how they can improve and 
making sure that's not a quick judgmental kind of conversation, but an actual building experience where I'm building them, challenging them, helping them be better. And they're building me and challenging me and helping me be better. And, and, uh, and that we still love each other in the day and understand we all have value. And I mean, come on, how can you not love White Hepworth? Just such a good dude, but so smart. I've seen so much success from them this year. And it's crazy just to hear all those who fell within uh, in the hour home services brand, that whole family on just how everyone's having success. So man, that's certainly encouraging. This next one is the Wizard of Ads himself, Mr. Roy Williams. Episode 139 I had with him, and it was awesome to finally get him on because he's got so much knowledge. Really, I was just on backup. I was the one B in the podcast because he owned it. <laughs> and it was basically the Roy Williams show, and it should be because he's so incredibly intelligent, worked with some of the largest brands, incredible brand mind. And he talks about brandable chunks. Okay, now, brandable chunks is a radically different thing from narrative arc and character arc, okay? Because you were taking notes and I didn't have time to separate those things for you. First, let me say that whenever they have the Academy Awards and they're naming the movie of the year and you know best actor and all this kind of stuff, and the Pulitzer Prizes in literature and the Nobel Prizes in literature, okay? Every story that's worth hearing, any story that has a value of any kind has what's called a narrative arc. Now think arc like rainbow, right? It's an arc. Now the narrative arc is the sequence of events. It is the plot. And so when you're doing branding, and I don't like to even to use the word branding, I prefer to use the word customer bonding. When you're doing customer bonding in mass media, you're winning the hearts of the people. And Chris, most important thing I'll say during this time together today, if you win the heart, the mind will follow. The mind will always create logic to justify what the heart has already decided. Oh, that's good. If you win the heart, the mind will follow. And so all you're trying to do with a customer bonding campaign in mass media is win the heart. Now, you have to have a narrative arc, which is a plot or a sequence of events. Now, every summer, we have what's called the movies of summer and like Die Hard and stuff like that. They never win movie of the year, but it's all action, no character arc. It is all narrative arc, no character arc. So narrative arc is actions, activities, sequence of events. But at the beginning of an action movie with Sylvester Stallone or Bruce Willis or whoever, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, it doesn't matter, um, Clint Eastwood, for gosh sakes. The character at the end of the movie is the same character they were at the beginning of the movie. Okay, there's no character arc. Character arc is what you get in Lord of the Rings, and it's what you get even in Game of Thrones, is the characters are totally different. They have evolved right. and they've changed during the course of the sequence of episodes of the show. And, and as time goes by, you're seeing these characters evolve and change and develop, and you get involved with those characters. So character arc is what always wins movie of the year. It always wins the Pulitzer Prize in literature. It always wins the Nobel Prize in literature. You win awards for character arc. And so great campaigns, you fall in love with a character or two or three or five, Friends, Seinfeld, any sitcom or any dramedy you've ever watched in your life, you get engaged with the characters, you like the characters, you relate to the characters, 
you understand those characters, you feel like you know those characters, and Chris, they're imaginary. <laughs> now, the point is, character arc and narrative arc, a good ad campaign has a narrative arc and a character arc, and it's like, a, 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 it's like episodes in a TV show. That's what these ads are. It's like episodes in a TV show. Now, brandable chunks, which was your question, brandable chunks are signature phrases, okay? Now, we, you talked about Ken. We both adore Ken Goodrich. And every time I came up with a brandable chunk for Ken, he would get a registered trademark on it. So do not write these down because I cannot, you cannot use them. I promise you'll wind up in federal court. So, don't, so um, um, we do things the right way, not the easy way. Right. The right way, not the easy way is a registered trademark of ghetto air conditioning. It's a brandable chunk. When you hear that phrase, you know it's ghetto because only ghetto uses that phrase. We do things the right way, not the easy way. That's a brandable chunk. A brandable chunk is a phrase or even like a two-word combination. Sometimes it's one word. And you instantly associate this company with that phrase. Think of it as a, an auditory logo. Now, really brilliant ad campaigns will have six or seven brandable chunks. In one. And it's just like people in your realm of association. Your realm of association, as I said, the 250 people early in your life are a different 250 people to, in some degree. It's like maybe there's 100 of the original ones there or 50 of the original ones there at the end of your life. Right. But for the most part, they evolve and change slowly as time goes by. So do the brandable chunks. After a period of years, a brandable chunk can drop away and be replaced with a new brandable chunk. But these are phrases. These are, are word combinations that nobody uses but you and everybody associates them with your company. And if you look at any powerful brand, you will instantly remember. You know, you know what car it is that's the ultimate driving machine? Do I know what the ultimate driving machine is? BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Okay. And so my client could not, would not, did not commit these crimes. You know who that was? Johnny Cochran. And everybody remembers Johnny Cochran. If you're old enough to remember the the um if the glove don't fit, Simpson things, you must you know? quit. I would not, did not commit these crimes. Would not, could not, did not commit these crimes. If it doesn't fit, you must quit. Those are brandable <laughs> chunks. Brandable chunks are musical, and they get stuck in the mind of the listener. And what's called the echoic, it's echoic memory. It's, it's technically, if you want to Google this, it's called the articulatory loop. The articulatory loop, sometimes called the phonological loop, is one of the three functions of working memory, which is the scientific word for consciousness or awareness, okay? And so working memory is consciousness or awareness, according to the cognitive neuroscientists, and uh, the phonological loop is the rehearsal of sound in the mind. And if you understand how that works, you understand how to create a brandable chunk so that it becomes what's called involuntary automatic recall. Chris, involuntary automatic recall is what we're trying to establish. There are known scientific rules for doing that. This is what I teach all of my Wizard of Edge partners. There's 70 of us now, and we spend enormous amounts of time understanding how the cognitive neuroscientists of the world, under the medical community, they know how this works, but they don't teach it in marketing school. There's not a college in the world that teaches this, Chris, which is why we built a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization called Wizard Academy in Austin, Texas, because when business owners understand these things, it takes about three days of like nine hour days 
to teach people this stuff so that they really understand it, they do some exercises, they demonstrate they understand it, then they go home. And the reason we built the whole thing for cash is to send enough people home and they do what they learned. And it works so well that whenever you want to build a building, people come running forward saying, man, let me help with that. And they throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at you because they want to keep that school alive. So when you were here, I didn't build that with my money. The people who left classes here donated that money and everything was built for cash. We never borrowed a dollar. Incredible. And it's a many tens of millions of dollars campus. Incredible. Yeah, it's huge. It's awesome. I mean, I, I think that that says a lot in, in itself, right? The fact that that's what, you know, when people leave and they're willing to continue. Well, what to I'm saying is everybody leaves, they go home. And if they were paying attention, they can do it. You know, they can't do it as well as somebody that's done it for a long time and has a lot of experience, but they can do it better than their competitors can do it. In other words, you know, um, when you're doing the right thing, no matter how badly you're doing it, it still beats all the other people who don't even know what the right thing is. That's true. You don't have to worry about doing it perfectly. Just do the right thing badly. It's still the right thing. <laughs> and consistently. <you> know? <laughs> the Wizard of Ads strikes again. Come on, you got to love that. Brandable chunks, now you know. Now this next clip is from my man, Jimmy Hiller, the golden glove boxing phenom himself, the Nashville knockout king. Man, maybe I should have been an announcer. Are you ready to rumble? No, no, producer Ryan says no. Okay. So anyhow, I love Jimmy Hiller. And I love that he's so successful, yet he was talking about learning from his mistakes and how everybody has to learn from their mistakes. And actually some of the best things that you can learn about what you're made of and what you can accomplish and do is on the other side of those mistakes. I'll let Jimmy share his opinion on this. What are some of the, the like the, the mistakes maybe that you or someone in the business has made that you guys have learned from? We all make them, but is there anything that like stands out to you that was like, oh man, we made this mistake and moved on? Now you talked about new construction, so I'm not talking about any of that stuff, but is, if there's anything else, unless that was like a pivotal moment too, where you're like, no, this was a major mistake that we had made that allowed that we learned from and scaled the business. Is there anything like that that you can think of off the top of your head that kind of pops up that says, man, yep, for sure. This was one of the big mistakes I made. And, and this is what, you know, how it impacted the business. Yeah. I think if, if you're going to, and it's always changing, but I think if you're going to be in the contracting business, you're going to make mistakes. We'll be here another four or five hours. If we go through the <laughs> list of all the mistakes I made, you, you know, you either win or you learn from, from what's happening. So when you, when you, when you're growing, growing your business and I look at it, so there's a couple of things that I would talk about. First of all, had I had it all to do over again, I would have found my mentors earlier, right? Oh, learn from somebody else's mistakes. So you don't have to make those same mistakes yourself, learn from their, their knowledge, their experiences. So you, so you don't have to do that again. The second thing is, you know, as I was growing the business, I kept saying, okay, I'll put some of these better procedures in place when I get to the next level. I'll do this. It's a whole lot easier to build the, the procedures as you go through the business instead of waiting till you get to, you know, 50 or $100 million and say, hey, we got these gaps and then try to go back and fill them. Build the processes and procedures as you're building your company and then they'll grow with you. So, you know, those are the things that I've learned as a younger guy, it wasn't, you know, I didn't think about those things. It's about how you grow the business. And now I think about how do you make that foundation stronger than what it is today? How do you build a business that is bulletproof and make sure it lasts 
you know, I, I'm thinking right now, you you asked about it. You know, this business has got to outlast me. It's got to be strong and on a strong foundation. So when it's time for my children and now my thinking about my grandchildren to take, take it over, that it's on a strong, strong foundation for them. The employees that, that have entrusted in me to come to work for me, you know, that, that one of the reasons why growth is so important for, for me is opportunity only comes with growth. You know, I can't provide more opportunity for the people that are working for me for me if I'm not growing this business. Yep. How can this technician that's in the field become a, a service manager, general manager, whatever his dreams are? You know, part of my job, part of my responsibility is making sure that they can fulfill their dreams through this organization. When I worked for other people, there was no none of that opportunity. That's why I had to set out on my own because I couldn't see myself anywhere but in a truck with them at those particular times in my career. Makes perfect sense. You know, the, um, I want to uh, admittedly say this on air to everybody. Um, I heard you say to me before you either win or learn. I've probably used that about 50 or so times in different presentations I've given since then. So thank you for that, Jimmy. I appreciate it. <laughs> I've used it. That's good. I'm not coining that phrase. I didn't take, I didn't take Like I didn't say it was me, um, but I appreciate that because I've used it. Um, you had, you had yeah. said something just a minute ago that made me think um, that, and I can, again, I can't remember if you and I talked about this last time or not, but somebody shared with me and I can't, and, and I can't even remember who it was, which is ridiculous because I, I think about this all the time, but um I was told that uh, as the business continues to grow, um, that my vision has to be big enough for everyone else's vision to fit in it. Love it. Well, we know Jimmy's vision was certainly large enough for everyone to fit in it, and he keeps going. So I love that. And listen, that wasn't just the Tennessee whiskey talking, right? Because Jimmy doesn't drink anymore. Because if you listen to that episode, 122, he talks about how he hit a tree after some drinks. So we put a stop to that. Great story. I love that he was vulnerable enough to share that. It's all part of his, all part of his past and a lot of his successes. And again, those are mistakes that he learned from. Now, this next guy, this next guy is arguably the OG goat of HVAC, the Pied Piper of plumbing. The best to do it in the beginning. He was the man, Jim Abrams, came out from hiding or whatever he was doing because <laughs> I hadn't heard him or heard from him for so long. So it was great to have him on the podcast. One of those things where I've wanted to have a conversation with him for so many years. He's done so much for the home services industry. It was an absolute honor to have him on episode 131. If you've not heard it, you got to go back and download it as soon as you're done listening to this one, of course. But enjoy this clip about the 10 steps to success with my man, Jim Abrams. In regards to that book, you have this um, 10 steps to business success that kind of is like uh, a big piece, a big piece of that. I just want you to, if you wouldn't mind, um, if you remember the, the, yeah, the actual like one through 10, <laughs> the order of it all. I have them written down. <laughs> okay, so perfect. I, I don't have to test my memory would, here. Would you mind just sharing what those are so you can let our listeners know kind of the foundation of, of what it's about? Sure. And this was written for any business, not just um, uh, home services. Perfect. Number one, number one you have to deter determine, do people want it or need it? So people will only buy what they want or need. So we're in a good place here. We know that they need it. So you're selling a need product. Mm -hmm. Can you deliver the product? So number two is, can you deliver that product or service with a competitive advantage? Usually a competitive advantage would mean less money, more conveniently, 
or is it better, superior, or more creative and unique? So you have to be able to have some differentiation between the rest of the marketplace or else it's gonna be a price that people will default to price. Right. Next, you must have a name and message. And this is critical. So one hour air conditioning was always on time or you don't pay a dime, which sounds relatively easy, but that is actually an anapestic meter, the same type of thing that Dr. Uh, Seuss used uh, to be able to have people memorize it. So by taking a USP, like always on time or you don't pay a dime, um, people will recall that if they hear it seven times, so on the radio, or if they hear it seven times, wherever, television, radio, audio, um, they'll remember it. And next time they need to call somebody, oh yeah, there's those guys that are always on time or whatever it might happen to be. Um, next is identify your pillars of success. So within every business, there are measurable categories that you must look at to see if you're properly planned and executed that would lead to those things. So like how many service calls you're gonna run a year? Uh, we were running at one time 10,000 service calls a day. So, you know, when we reach that level through our franchise group and through company owned operations, that's a lot of service calls a day and you're gonna make a mistake. So on my service calls, on one of the pillars of success, I actually had a phone number on there, 877-655-U-WIN. And it was also printed right on the contract or on the invoice. That rang at my secretary's desk. So even though we were doing 10,000 service calls a day, if there was somebody disappointed in the country or in Canada where we had business, that call would actually come to my desk. My team then at the local center had one day to correct that problem or else I would step in and resolve it. And one time that I stepped in, it was in Las Vegas, and it actually cost the center $85,000 because we closed down the center for the morning, had the disappointed customer come in and actually show a video uh, to my whole team, tell the team what the complaint was, and my general manager gave her back all of her money that she paid. But, um, you know, that's, that's big overreach, but that was one of my pillars of success. I would not have the sun go down on an unhappy customer period. I had to be able to resolve that customer before I went home that night. I love it. Uh, um, the next one up I had, so, but there's all different pillars of success. Right. Uh, in my book, I show the restaurant ones uh, that we uh, developed for the restaurants. Uh, do you have the capital necessary to succeed? That's number five. If not, can you replace it with effort? In the beginning, I had limited capital. So I was out knocking on doors, dialing on telephones, et cetera. Later, and for most of the rest of my life, capital has never been a problem. So now I can kind of even overwhelm companies because of the capital availability that I have. I can come in and take major presence in markets very quickly if I so choose. Uh, next one up, number six, you have to look in the mirror. Can you lead and do what is necessary? This is tough. You know, you may have to fire a person that you really care about. And many times it's a family member. Yeah. So can you really do this? because the business now becomes like a child. And just like an infant child, if you're not doing everything you can to keep that child alive and well, they're totally dependent upon you and so is your business. So you have to know there that you will do what you need to do. And if you can't do that, you're not, it probably is not gonna work out for you. Number seven, do you have the will to do what's necessary? Now this is different. Number six is can you do it? Number seven is, will you do it? And so many times, you know, you get into things that are just so difficult. I, I remember my last chemo thing 
and saying, I don't want to go today. You know, I, I, I was so sick last time, you know, I don't want to do this today. But again, my family wanted me here and it was what I had to do. So even though it was like, uh, this is going to be like one of the worst days of my life. I got in my car and drove myself to chemo that day, which my chemo was five hours when I got there and uh, no joy as anybody that's been through it knows. Sometimes so, that, sometimes that's, that will is harder than skill. It is. <laughs> I think it's the hardest thing, especially as you gain wealth. Right. So in the early days, I'm out knocking on doors and dialing on telephones. You know, when I'm worth tens of millions of dollars, it becomes a little bit more difficult to get up in the morning and say, Oh, I'm going to go out and knock on doors today. I can right. hardly wait. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that mind. Will you have the courage to do that thing that's necessary? Yeah. The motivator is we, different then, huh? Yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally different. Next one up is um, eight. Will you define an organizational chart, fill the necessary roles yourself early on, and then hire the right people later. Generally speaking, in our industry, in the contractor industry, the first role you should find is a really, really, really superstar administrator. And the reason for that is accounting for these businesses take up inordinate amount of time. So you want to get that off of you and onto somebody else so that you have your time to impact the business on the top line. And you have somebody you really trust that can carry the administration thing. For me, I needed a technician too, because I can't fix anything. I'm a businessman, but... I'm really not a serviceman or an installer by any means. Number nine is, will you gain the necessary knowledge, write at least a five-year plan and subordinate to the plan, putting your ego aside. And number 10 is, will you develop a business culture of true meritocracy, focusing on the success of each individual working in the company, delegating authority and responsibility, and do so legally, ethically, and morally. And if you do those 10 things, and there's obviously backup to them, especially on the pillars of success. So if you follow that formula, and particularly that last one, nothing immoral, nothing illegal, and nothing unethical, I, th I think you'll succeed. I think you'll succeed too, Jim. I love it. The pillars to success. Sound advice from one of the best to do it. Now, this next clip, man, it was another special day. It was at Rhino X. In 2022, with arguably one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League, who just so happens to have been an Arizona Cardinal, Larry Fitzgerald, future Hall of Famer, my friend. And it was a great day to have him in talking about legacy. Who better to talk about legacy than a future Hall of Famer? And probably one of the nicest guys, uh, the most humble guys to come out of the National Football League. So it is my honor to share to you from episode number 113, Larry Fitzgerald talking about building a legacy with intentionality. You've heard it said before, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. I believe that more and more, the idea ties into legacy for me. As we come to understand that our time is not unlimited, I think it pushes us to be more intentional with the time we have right here in front of us. The intentionality might be the early stages of considering our legacy and trying to find some meaning to it. I remember the first time in college when I got banged up. I've been really injury free throughout my whole high school career. Um, I played every single sport you can imagine. I played basketball, I played football, I ran track, I even played baseball in the spring. And I never 
dealt with any injuries. And I made the freshman All-American my freshman year at the University of Pittsburgh, and I was riding on, on a cloud, and you couldn't tell me anything. Like, I was, like, literally levitating uh, across campus. I was so excited. Um, going through my sophomore year, I was, you know, picked to be an All-American, and all these accolades, like the call watch list, and all of these things. And I was about a week in the training camp, um, and I was down there. I was the best player on the field, um, far and away, and I tore my hamstring. And immediately I was going down the left side of the field. I remember like it was yesterday. I went up to go get a ball, go get a ball that was thrown a little bit behind me. I was back. I was tracking it, going up to get it, and I felt this pop in my hamstring. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how severe it was, how long I would be out, what the ramifications of the injury was. And um, I just remember laying there on that ground. You know, I had the towel on my face, and you know. Tears started to kind of rush down my, my face because I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And, um, you know, I've seen guys injured before on many different occasions. You play as long as I've I played. I've seen the most famous things you can imagine, guys carted off. Um, but dealing with it yourself, um, it, it's completely different. There's a flood of emotions that are so intense, you know, the doubt, and the uncertainty, um, all of these bad thoughts that come into your mind, and, you know, trying to be able to work your way through those um, was, was very tough after a really, really tough offseason um, you know, the year before. Um, you know, I had all my hopes and dreams on the football field. This pro- the prospect of, you know, losing everything that I was dreaming about, um, you know, was, was tough to deal with. It was really tough to deal with. And to be honest with you, you know, at that point in my career, I had never given any thought you know, to the big picture of life and legacy. It's not something I ever even considered. I was living my football life, um, you know, just one day at a time. Uh, I was not living it with intentionality. Uh, I was reacting to life. I was riding waves the best I could rather than living it purposefully. Um, I think we're more susceptible to this life, uh, type of thinking, though, especially when we're young. We're full of dreams, the vision, the excitement, but really, we're just living our lives, you know, day to day, um, without much planning. And very few of us are thinking strategically about the idea of building. I use that term very specifically. What are we building with our lives? A meaningful legacy doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen at all at once. Just like a beautiful home or the incredible stadiums that you guys have all been into. It must be designed, engineered, the foundation laid, the plans modified, the frame built, brick by brick, one by one. Our legacies are very similar to that. If they're gonna be lasting, strong, and beautiful, they must be built by design, piece by piece, step by step. You tell them, Larry, brick by brick, piece by piece, Step by step, and I'll add action by action. Because you gotta take action. Don't just talk about it, be about it. And you know who is about it? Is this next clip. The next clip from the baddest man on the planet. I mean, he bit off some dude's ear. Evander Holyfield got his ear bit off by Mike Tyson. You know what? Ain't nobody gonna talk shit to Mike Tyson. But he gave Probably the phrase of the year for many of you that listen to this podcast, or especially some of those that you that were attending Rhino X. And this is from episode 115 with Mike Tyson. Iron Mike Tyson. I mean, he TK 
owed the audience at Rhino X. And this one phrase, this one clip that you're going to hear was the pinnacle of his entire Q&A session. And I am so excited to share it with you again because you can take this piece of advice into 2023. So when we go out, uh, we're outside. You know, Mike wanted to check out, you know, the cigar roller, which, by the way, is pretty badass, right? The cigar roller really out is, there. yes. Pretty cool. Last year, I saw how popular it was when I got the bill afterwards. <laughs> so I knew it was a popular one. We'd have it again. But then Mike goes over, and he says, what'd you say, Mike? I was wondering, would it be possible if I could put my cannabis <laughs> in one of these fancy rolls? <laughs> and it was possible. He said it was possible, but it's just um, we left it in our hotel room. <laughs> That's right. You didn't want to run back. So I have to imagine, because of the way like you've been programmed and uh, that, even in the cannabis business, I'm assuming you probably want to be like the best. Like you would strive to be the best at it. Is that fair? Kind of like boxing, man. You want That's to be. That's an understatement. You want yeah. to be the best. Yeah. What uh, What does it take to truly be the best? Total sacrifice. Total sacrifice. Um, whatever you love to do, you always loved it. It made you happy. Just stop it. Yeah. Yeah, let's just stop it and focus on this. Nothing else? Nothing else. Blinders. That's your whole life. Your whole existence is that. And so you kind of... The whole purpose of living is that. Whatever the goal is, this is my whole purpose of living. Nothing in life is more important than this. Not my children, my mother, nothing. Dude, this stare down is intense. <laughs> no, but you know... Nothing. When you want to, when you want to establish something, nothing's more important than that. I almost shit my pants. That's amazing. No, I appreciate that, man. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because if you're gonna do something, don't you know, go all in. Right? That's kind of what you're saying. No. Get blinders on and get after it, and love it, and care about it, be exactly. passionate about it. You should love your goal so much that you risk giving up your happiness for it. So the only reason, the only reason you got a goal is for happiness. But that's what it's for. So then in order to do that, though, it takes discipline, right, too. So, yeah. like, what, I know that that's something that's important to you. Like, explain what kind of discipline that takes. Well, discipline is doing what you hate to do, but doing it like you love it. Getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, doing the 5 miles, coming back, doing the 2,000 sit-ups, the push-ups, the sparring. It's just all about self-sacrifice. It's how bad you really want it. What are you really willing to do for it? And on the days you don't want to do it. That's when you do it the most and the most um, energetic. When you, that's, the, that's the whole dis, um, definition of discipline, doing what you hate to do, but doing it like you love it. Over and over and over. Over and over again. And that's what makes the great ones great? Well, I just know, I know consistency kicks determination's ass. Yeah! I love that. That's fantastic. That's real talk. There it is, the best of 2022 complete, finishing off with the TKO from my man Mike Tyson. What better way to finish than the finisher himself? Mike Tyson, I'm excited. I'm excited that you all get to go into 2023 and have a whole new opportunity to do something amazing, to lead your company to new heights, to lead yourself to new heights, to give the opportunity to your employees to be something greater than they are right now at this very moment. I hope you're excited about that. You essentially have a clean slate going into 2023 to do some amazing things. You got to perfect it 
just be consistent, like Mike says, because consistency kicks determination's ass. I want to end this thing off by saying thank you. Thanks again for all the support throughout this year. I mean, I know we've still got a few weeks left, but I'm just, this is the time when I'm so grateful for all the things. And I have a hard time sometimes of just slowing down and thinking about all the things that we've just accomplished. And I'll bet you do the same thing, especially because we're working day in and day out. So just take a second, take a second right now and think about all the things you've just accomplished this year and just say, man, I did good. Or man, I got better because you did you're listening to this podcast, you have a lot of information that you can take away and implement to make yourself better. And I'm proud of all of you, especially if you listen to this thing over and over again, you're actually executing. So I'm also proud of my team. I want to give a shout out to my man, Ryan and Zach on the To The Point podcast production team. Because without them, none of this stuff is possible either. So I'm incredibly grateful for those guys. But I'm excited to share with you guys in 2023 some new guests, some different things that we're going to do going into 2023 to try and make this thing even better for you. Giving back to the industry is what we love to do. And that's what this podcast is all about. We gave you lots of clips. There's lots of advice there. Obviously there is so much content in the podcast that you can listen to, but you don't have to do all of it. Just got to do a little bit of it. Just a little bit. You don't got to do everything. Don't got to do everything, but you got to do something. No, zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, We have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.